Howdy, and welcome to Wise About Texas, your award-winning Texas history podcast. I'm your host, Ken Wise. Thank you very much for tuning in today for some Texas history. Now, this episode is being recorded and released in July 2020, and we are in a time where history is more important than ever before. Uh, there have been a lot of complaints through the years. History is not being taught. It's not being taught correctly. It's not being studied and appreciated. I agree with that. But much of the chaos that we're seeing in the country in July 2020 is a product of that. These are difficult and unsettled times, but I am more committed than ever to try and bring at least Texas history to the fore. But it's summer, so we're also going to keep our sense of humor and try to. And though some episodes of this podcast are deep dives with some great lessons for all of us today, we're going to talk about a story that's amusing now because nobody got hurt, but might not have been terribly funny at the time. It takes place during World War II. Now, Texas played a large role in training pilots during World War II. Still does play a large role in pilot training, as a matter of fact. And when you watch all those great World War II movies uh, that feature the European theater and the bombing of the continent with the great B-17s and B-24s dropping hundreds of bombs on targets, you have to remember that they had to learn that somewhere, and the Texas Panhandle was perfect for it. So today we're going to travel up north, way up north, to Dalhart, Texas during World War II to get wise about Texas. Back in early 1942, the good folks up in Dalhart wanted to contribute to the war effort. So they ended up building an airfield just outside of town, and the idea was that the airfield would train glider pilots. Gliders were used extensively in World War II. And in September 1942, the airfield opened. But by early 1943, the Air Force decided that it needed that airfield to train B-17 and B-24 crews. And so they moved the glider training to Lubbock and the bomber crews to Dalhart. Uh, Now remember, If you've done any reading about World War II, you know that the bombing in Europe was very risky. Uh, The Germans had better fighters than we did, longer-range fighters, and the 8th Air Force in particular, the 8th Air Force had half the entire number of casualties suffered by the Air Force in the entire World War II. Um, So that led to an urgent and frequent need for replacement pilots. So these pilots were going to come, at least in part, from the Dalhart training ground. Incidentally, after the B-17s and 24s, uh, the B-29 crews began training at down at Dalhart, including a squadron that later became the squadron selected to learn the specialty flying necessary to fly the atomic bombs, and from which came the crew of the Anila Gay. But today we're going to be focused on the B-17s. Now, training these bomb crews involved flying different missions and dropping these training bombs. So let me tell you about these training bombs. They weighed 100 pounds, so they simulated an Air Force general purpose bomb. They were filled with sand, and they also contained what's called a spotting charge. And that's a blank 28-gauge shotgun shell, so a small shotgun shell inside a tube that's stuck inside the bomb casing and surrounded by black powder. So when the bomb hits 
an inertia-powered uh, pin would fire the shotgun shell and ignite the black powder. Well, black powder, if you've ever been around it, produces uh, a lot of white smoke, and that's where the name spotting charge came from. You could see where the bomb hit by the white smoke. Now, at a distance, this isn't too dangerous, but close up, obviously, could be dangerous. And, of course, uh, if you were close to one of these, uh, you'd also be close to a 100-pound metal projectile falling from the sky. So that would be extremely dangerous. So the instructors would load up these bombs, uh, give the students the missions, and try and simulate all the stuff that they were going to face across the pond. Well, to drop these bombs, what they did is they would drop them on a target range. In one of those locations, we were talking, uh, there was an earlier podcast where I discussed the training of the World War I soldiers and the artillery ranges near San Antonio, etc. So by now we need bombing ranges as well. One of those locations for this bombing range was near the town of Conlon, Texas, which is on Highway 54, northeast of Dalhart, between Dalhart and Stratford. It's 20 miles from Dalhart, so not very far. Just load your bombs up, take off, drop the bombs, head back. Won't take very long. Sounds easy. So they loaded up the bombs, and they're clear for takeoff. It's July 5th, 1943, and the B-17 crews needed to learn how to drop bombs at night. Now, the B-17 was equipped with what was known as the Norden Bombsite, and the Norden Bombsite was revolutionary because it contained an autopilot, an analog computer, which sounds like an oxymoron to us today, but it contained an analog computer and an autopilot connection mechanism so that the bombardier at a certain time could actually fly the airplane by using that bombsite. And the idea, of course, would be that he's sighting the target and the bombsite's automatically computing what it needs to compute to make the airplane, put the airplane in position to drop the bombs on target. This was revolutionary. Now, they thought that it was accurate to about 73 feet. In other words, when you dropped your bomb, it was going to be within 73 feet uh, in a circle of the target. Uh, in combat, it turned out to really be about 1,200 feet. Uh, but still, it was a pretty revolutionary idea, and the Norden bombsites became very, very famous. Now, you can imagine these guys in one of the world's great bombers making their night run 20 miles away. So up they went. Now, the target for this crew was going to be a square lit up at the corners. So it would be a challenge, but it would be easily visible. Uh, when you're in the vast panhandle of Texas and it's dark, uh, you'll be able to see this square lit up at the corners. So on they flew. The bombardier catches sight of a square lit by four lights at the corner. And so at the pro appropriate time, the bombardier took control of the aircraft with the autopilot on the bomb site, and they make the bombing run. Now, they were going to drop six bombs one at a time at this lit target. So they were going to drop one, go around, drop another, etc., till six. So the bombardier kept his focus on that lit square and guided the bomber over the target. And it was bombs away. There was only one problem. They weren't over Conlon, Texas. For some reason, it didn't dawn on anyone 
that they had flown the wrong direction. Not only that, they had flown about twice as long as needed to get to a bombing range that was 20 miles from the airfield. They were actually over Boys City, Oklahoma, about 50 miles north of Dalhart. That square that was lit at the corners, that's the courthouse in the middle of town. Well, the first bomb went through the roof of an empty garage, ended up blowing the door off, and it created a crater in the garage about two feet by three feet. Then the B-17 came around again. The next bomb missed the First Baptist Church by mere inches, blowing that front door off, breaking some stained glass windows, and leaving a three-foot deep crater. In fact, the pastor of that church was a pastor named Dodds, and later he said he wished even a quarter of the people that came to see that hole in the ground had gone to church. He would have been a success. On the third pass, the crew almost hit a store, but the bomb landed right in front. On the fourth pass, they almost caused a disaster by missing a tanker truck full of fuel by only a small distance. The fifth bomb missed a house by only 80 feet. Thank goodness these guys were trainees. And the sixth and final bomb landed at the edge of town near some railroad tracks. I guess they had more practicing to do because they never hit that courthouse, which is in theory what they were aiming at. Well, as the bombs started to fall, the air raid warden, you know, every town would have an air raid warden. He telegraphed the adjutant general of Oklahoma and the FBI saying that the town was under attack. The newspaper editor was awakened by the raid. He ran outside his house wondering, logically, why would the enemy be bombing Boys City, Oklahoma? He later wrote that uh, Boys City obviously needs searchlights and anti-aircraft guns. Four girls and their dates were just leaving a movie theater when the bombs began to fall. Ironically enough, their dates were soldiers from the Dalhart Air Base. Uh, the soldiers immediately identified what exactly it was that was being dropped on the town, and they all ran away from downtown. At a cafe on the highway, some tanker truck drivers for an oil company dropped their sandwiches and immediately jumped in their trucks and drove out of town as fast as they could. But the most decisive action of this air raid was that taken by Frank Garrett. Frank Garrett worked for the power company in Boys City, and when he realized what was happening, he ran to the headquarters and threw the main power switch, causing a total blackout. The B-17 crew took that as a sign that they were finished and returned to their base. Well, on December 7, 1941, we know Pearl Harbor was attacked, but Hawaii was not yet a state then. So in the minds of the time, that made Boys City, Oklahoma, the only city in the U.S. that was bombed by an airplane in World War II. Uh, there were other accidents that happened, but that was uh, the thinking at the time. In July 1993, Boys City commemorated the event by installing a bomb-shaped monument and a plaque. They invited the crew members from that B-17 to attend, but the crew declined. One, one crew member did tape a message for the town, however. Well, it was no doubt that incident was extremely embarrassing to that bomber crew. However, it was also very motivating because the crew that bombed Boys City learned a lot from that mistake. They went on to Europe, and they became one of the top crews in that fabled 8th Air Force. In fact, just a year after they bombed Oklahoma, that crew led an 800-plane raid over Berlin, Germany. And as for the folks in Boys City, well, they got over it. The bomber crew survived the war, and one of that crew even got married after the war to a girl who knew a thing or two about bombs.
She was from Boys City, Oklahoma. Well, now we come to the part of the episode called Getting There, where I tell you where to go see a couple of the places I mentioned. Dalhart, Texas is up in the Panhandle, northwest of Amarillo, up Highway 385. I'll be driving through there shortly after this episode's released on the way to Colorado. It's a, it's a great town. There's the XIT Ranch Museum on 5th Street there, and a good place to see and good place to get a flavor of the Panhandle. Uh, northeast of Dalhart, on Highway 54, 20 miles as the B-17 was supposed to fly, is Conlon, Texas. Uh, I do not know whether there uh, anybody knows where the bombing range was, but uh, Boy City is, as we now know, 50 miles north of Dalhart uh, in Oklahoma. And in Boy City, you can see the marker commemorating the day that Texas bombed Oklahoma. It's at the corner of Main Street and Cimarron Avenue, and the plaque shows a B-17 dropping bombs on the courthouse. If you're in the Houston area, go by the Lone Star Flight Museum at Ellington Field, just south of Houston. Uh, They have one of the very few uh, flying B-17s, airworthy B-17s, still in existence. It's a beautiful aircraft. Uh, I have actually flown on that airplane. Uh, They're not flying it at the moment. Uh, but I have had the honor of flying in that airplane. And uh, I'll, for the patrons of the show, I'll post uh, some video of uh, taking that B-17 over the San Jacinto Monument. It's really special. But if you get a chance to see a B-17 uh, in person, you never forget it. It was the workhorse of World War II and a, just a wonderful aircraft and played a huge role in our victory in World War II. Well, that wraps up this episode of Wise About Texas. If you're traveling this summer, uh, stay safe. Uh, listen to some Texas history on your road trips. Find us on Facebook, Wise About Texas. Find us on Twitter at Wise About Texas and Instagram at Wise About Texas. And if you'd like to support the preservation and promotion of Texas history, go to patreon.com slash Texas, and you can do just that. Thanks again for listening. Go out and do something for Texas today. And until next time, God bless Texas and we'll see you down the road.